0: TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. What are you thinking? What
1: are you thinking about? The Twins, of course. It's 5 Twins Thoughts five. with Derek Wetmore. It is 5 Twins Thoughts on Score North on 1500 and scorenorth.com. I'm Rami McLaugh, along with Manny Hill and Twins reporter Derek Wetmore, live from Block Brewing. Just down the street from uh, U.S. Bank Stadium, where the Final Four will be going on this weekend. If you're headed out here to take in the festivities, stop by, have a beer, have some uh, delicious food. Wetmore crushed a Korean beef sandwich right before we came on the air. Crushed. And somehow is still standing and oh, awake and alert and I'm ready, ready to talk some two. twins. <laughs> and uh, our five twins thoughts today are, just a, just over a week into the season... The five most impressive things about the Twins, who have just one loss on the year, they start the year five and one and atop the AL Central. The five most impressive things or players of about the Minnesota Twins so far this year. If you want to get in on the show, six five one six four six eight two five five, or tweet us at skor. North, Derek. Why don't you uh, lead things off for us this afternoon?
0: My first one is a, an all-encompassing thought. Thought number one is the most impressive thing is the pitching staff as a whole. I mean, you could see Brios take a small step back in his second start, and that's fine. They they still performed well. I'd say if you looked one time through the pitching order and then add Brios and Gibson's first start in there, did Gibson get knocked around a little bit? Yes. But they came back and won the game. Showed some resilience there. It's just surprising to me how well they opened as a starting staff, especially that Cleveland series was just unreal. The four guys, including Martin Perez, coming out of the bullpen as sort of a piggyback, that was an impressive, impressive start for me. So thought number one is, wow, this pitching staff might be for real. Yeah,
1: I, I've, I've used this stat before, but it's impressive enough to use again. The 10 and 11 strikeouts from uh, Barrios and uh, – now I'm drawing a blank. Well, uh, Odorizzi started game Odorizzi two. in game two. It's the first time two starters have had double-digit strikeouts in the first two games of a team season, and the last two guys to do it, Randy Johnson and Curt Schilling. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm not saying they're going to be Randy Johnson and Curt Schilling. That's pretty good Kurt company. Schilling. That's pretty good company to be in, though. That's, that's not a bad thing. And, yeah, you – Gotta be impressed with what you've seen from from the twins pitching this year. And even Jose Barrios in his second start didn't have his best stuff and got knocked around a little bit early, but still found a way to settle down and only gave up two runs and hung in until the sixth inning. I mean, when a guy that's to me, that's the mark of a great pitcher, Manny. It's I mean, if you're if you're a top notch pitcher, you have top notch stuff. And when that stuff is working, you're unhittable. But at the same time, you're human. That stuff isn't going to be at its best every time that you step on the mound. So, what puts guys in, the, in that elite category is when they don't have their best stuff and still can hold an offense down.
2: Yeah, and I've been really impressed with the way, with the starting pitching and how they've, for the most part, avoided the big innings. Now, you know, Gib- Gibby got, you know, Kyle Gibson got hit for a, a tough inning against the Royals the other day. But mm-hmm. I think overall, these guys have. Been able to weather the storm early on. We saw Jose Barrios have a, a rough first inning the other day in his in his second start, but you know he he weathered that storm. He didn't let let the uh, let the damage pile up and get himself into trouble. And the team fell behind um, early and they weren't able to come back or anything. It, we didn't see a situation like that. So that's been really impressive to me with this pitching staff is that they really avoided the the big innings that in the yeah. past have early on, especially their first, second, third innings. They oh. have those Big innings and then and they're, they're behind yeah. and then they they got no shot of coming back. So yeah. they've avoided that for the most part. That's Definitely. Been impressive.
0: No, I agree. And one of the things that I look at and if you're not an elite starter, if you're not whatever, you know, pick your guy, Clayton Kershaw, Max Scherzer. If you're not one of those guys, I want to know how you pitch on your worst day. Like that matters to me a lot. I, yeah, you can go and say that's a mulligan and that's fine. I'll give a guy a couple of mulligans and 32 starts, but not very many. I mean, if you're a competitive team, you don't get very many opportunities to just flush it and say, that one didn't really matter. That didn't count. Yeah, it did. This is the big leagues. You're in a postseason race. I mean, I know it's April, but you talk about those things if you're a division-winning team or, or capable of winning a division. That, to me, is what stood out in Barrios' second start. It was like he was untouchable in on opening day. I mean, he had all three pitches working. He had the breaking ball that was just swing and miss everywhere. He was throwing it for strikes early in the count when he needed it his changeup with swing and miss, and, oh, his fastball is 95-96 right by you. So that's he's going to have a good day when he has that stuff. When he comes out in his second start and doesn't have that stuff, doesn't have the same breaking ball command, isn't able to get ahead with the fastball as much as he was on day one, okay, now let's see. How is he going to pitch? How is he going to fight his way out of it? And I'd say both starts were impressive just for different reasons. Yeah, in totally different ways. Since you started with a big-picture
1: thing that impressed you with our Five Twins thoughts, the most impressive things about the Twins through the first week. I'll start with the big picture thing. And if any of these things are one of your guys' five thoughts already just, on your list, mm-hmm. just let me know. But, the, I mean, there are d- different ways to describe this. I'll just say the resiliency of yeah. this team. Yeah, Twice down to the Kansas City Royals. Yep. And, yeah, they're the Kansas City Royals, so take that for what it's worth because they're not a very good baseball team right now. But twice in that series down. And they fight back. They they score some runs with some professional at bats, which I know is a cliche thing to say. But guys like Nelson Cruz, Marwin Gonzalez, in the middle of this order, I think has had an impact on everybody else around them in that order. And you've seen that where in past years they didn't they couldn't necessarily string together the hits and the rallies and sustain it long enough to come back from from the deficits that they had in those two games in Kansas City. So the the professionalism in the box, along with just the the, like I said, the resiliency, the wherewithal to, to not you know, put your head in the sand and say, here we go, it's another one, we're down, and yeah. it's over. Between the bats and the bullpen holding the Royals down, they end up sweeping that series in two games where they were down kind of late in the game.
0: Yeah, no, it's not over. <laughs> it's, uh, it's right. It seems to be the collective attitude of the Twins right now, and that's fantastic. I mean, that's a great sign going forward. Max Kepler had a huge two-RBI knock the other day. Yeah. That, to me, is like you're not going to get that 100% of the time, of course. You're, you're going to trail in some games late, and even a bad bullpen's going to hold on for the win. It's baseball. But early in the season, if you can establish that you're not a team that's going to just roll over and die, like the Twins, to me, have done so far this year, that's a great sign going forward. Not only does it, who cares what the those of us on the outside think, like it, we're on this show talking heads or you know, fans, observers of this team, who cares what we think. What do the guys in the dugout think? And I think there's a real thing to that where, yeah, no, I know we're down three with six outs to go, but remember that game in Kansas City where we came back? Mm-hmm. Whatever. Remember where we showed fight against Cleveland? It just sort of imbues the lineup with this confidence that I don't know that you can put a quantification on it. I don't know, you can't put a number. There's no way. It's a different feeling in the dugout. At least this is the way guys have described it to me that is that self-belief not only on an individual level but on a team level too so far and again it's early but so far the twins have established that identity and that's been pretty impressive and again
1: i'll i'll go along the same lines i don't have the numbers to quantify it in front of me but it it seems that the teams that have that that are contending most years and are atop their divisions or or atop the the american or the national league are teams that are among the leaders and come from behind wins because that's just the reality Mm -hmm. of the game if you're gonna if you're gonna put up 85, 87, 90 wins, it's going to require some comebacks, and it's going to require some of that wherewithal and that resiliency that the Twins have showed already this season.
2: Yeah, and I think the bullpen has been a big part of that too, and, that, and that's, been a, that's been kind of an issue that we've seen with this team over the years too is you know when they do fall down, there sometimes the bullpen mm-hmm. isn't able to keep them in games and allow them to have opportunities to come back. They've, the bullpen, for the most part, has been able to do that early on this season. I mean, Trevor Mays had a couple of appearances and has been really solid. Trevor Hildenberger has been really good too. So, I mean, that's that's going to be important too when they get in situations like, like they faced in Kansas City a couple of times where they were down and they needed their arms to keep them in the game. They were able to do that and they d- got enough with their bats to be able to come back and win and then the bullpen was able to shut the door in both games.
0: The bullpen mentality is always, I can tell you for... Maybe every good team that's ever played Major League Baseball, the mentality is I, my job is to go out and put up a zero. For however long that lasts, whatever their, you know, what's your duty today? It's to go shut the other team down, give my bats a chance. But I guarantee you there's something real to this, that when you're a reliever, you're Taylor Rogers, for example, and you know, like, yeah, I like my stuff, I am a good pitcher, You just have that little extra if you think that the bats can come back and get you versus if you're playing on a doormat team and you're like, okay, well, I'm going to go get mine. I'm going to go put up my zero. But let's be honest, are we coming back in this game? No, probably not. (laughs) It's a much different feeling, I would imagine, in that bullpen out there.
1: I think it's just human nature that there is, you know, people talk talk about, well, this team doesn't look like they want it. I think that there is a human nature and there is, there is an intensity that you can only get when you feel confident and feel yeah. good about yourself and the team that's around you. I yeah. think if if any of us are in a situation at work, whatever the case might be, where you feel like it's futile, sure, you're you're not going to have that level of intensity. You're not going to have the, the that you're not going to appear to be having fun mm-hmm. while you're doing it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Maybe because you're not. I mean, <laughs> no. people. I think people forget that these guys are humans sometimes. They're not just robots. And and yeah, when things aren't going good you see different body language, you see different energy, you see different effort, and when things are going bad, you don't see that because they're people and yeah. they react to adversity well, the same way that the rest of right. us do. I this, mean, that's
0: why we bring it so strong on this show. <laughs> <laughs> a lot this, of fun coming to work. This team
2: just looks like they just look the part of right. a team that is right. sure yeah. can, can contend this right. year and you know, and how, how well they can contend, how well they match up against you know, the Red Sox and the Yankees. You know, we can... Find that out later on down the line. Maybe, you know, my guess is probably they're not quite at that level yet, but they look like a formidable baseball team right now that pretty much any time they take the field against yeah. anybody, they have, they have the horses to get it done and go out and win a game.
0: Yeah, that's, that's a good point. Imagine, like, you're, you need a run. So this is to Rami's point on resiliency for thought number two. You need a run, ninth inning, you're the opposing team, and you're up one on the Twins, and you get to pick where they start in the batting order. Like where are you starting right now? Right. I mean, you'd start seven just because that's what the ma- go face the bottom of the order. The three guys they wanted up there least. Okay, you got to face Jonathan Scope at one of the, whichever catchers in there or a pinch hitter. Williams Astadio, Mitch Garver, bat off the bench maybe Tyler Austin and then Byron Buxton. Like I know in the past you can say automatic out for Buxton. I don't think that's the case this year. No. Assuming he comes back healthy and everything's fine. We'll get to that a little bit later on this show, I'm sure. But even if you're starting in the seventh spot to Manny's point, you look the part. You look like a team that could actually stave off that, you know, killer that dagger in the ninth inning. Yeah, they've got a great reliever out there, but you've got some pretty good hitters you can run up to the plate, no matter what part of the order you're starting in, and I think that's a sign of a good team. Manny, what do you got? What's your uh, thought for the
1: five thoughts of the five most impressive things about the Twins this year?
2: I'm kind of impressed with C.J. Crone's glove. That was something that I did not think was going to be, you know, I I thought when they brought him in to play first base that it was going to be because of his bat and that he was going to add some thump to the lineup, a 30-home run guy with Tampa Bay last year, but... That first game against Kansas City, he made a couple plays with the glove at first base when on some errant throws by uh, Jorge Polanco, and he scoop, scooped him up. And it's like, okay, you know, I don't know how long this is going to hold up. Yeah, but I but see something. Some, it, it seems like there's <laughs> something there. It seems like at least he can be fairly reliable with the glove at first base. That's, been, I've, that's one thing I've really been impressed with.
0: I mean, I'm not a baseball scout, but to hear Justin Morneau say on the Fox Sports North broadcast, like, this guy can pick it. I've seen, you yeah. know, he's like, I saw him a little bit in spring training and now just the early goings here. I've been impressed with what he can do at first base. I will say that's a pretty good endorsement because Justin Moreno, you remember, was a guy who I wouldn't have classified as a gold-glove first baseman when he first started his career, a former catcher, hockey player, <laughs> mm-hmm. who, you know, was a good baseball player. Of course, he was good, but then there's this other level. He switches off to a new position. He's playing first base, and it's because of his bat. Cool dude, just go up there and hit bombs and do what you can with the glove. But he did a lot more than that. Throughout his career, he developed into that uh, borderline Gold Glove. I don't, you know, Gold Glove is somewhat meaningless, and I don't think he ever won one. But in terms of a guy you'd trust out there at first base, Morneau did take steps in that direction. So for to have his endorsement on C.J. Krohn's glove, I'd say that's a pretty good start. Yeah, I'll
1: admit, I didn't know a lot about C.J. Krohn before before Same, I got yeah. here and, and did a deep dive on the Twins, and you guys probably didn't know a whole lot about him before right. the Twins signed him, but was was he a good defensive first baseman in Tampa Bay?
0: Well, the word I heard from spring training, and this is actually Rocco Baldelli, who was on the coaching staff in Tampa Bay, so is he probably knows C.J. Krohn better than just about anybody on the sure. on the 25-man.
2: Yeah,
0: He said he... he he would always praise his bat, of course, in like media sessions. Yeah, he's a big bopper. He's going to hit some for us. 30 last year, you know, we, we feel confident in this guy. And Rocco is so thoughtful about how that's going to come off or how if a guy sees or hears his quotes, eh, how that could be received. So Rocco stopped then instantly and he said, but I, I've got to stop praising his bat. CJ always gives me a hard time for talking about hitting, talking about how good he can be offensively. He says I don't give him enough credit for running the bases and fielding. (laughs) And I'm laughing at myself thinking, like, okay, now you're just buttering him up. He says, no, he gives gives me a hard time, and I wouldn't say this if it wasn't true. It is true he works really hard on those things in those areas of his game where typically you might just look at a first baseman and shrug your shoulders and be like, well, whatever we get, fine. Like, Jason Castro's not on this team to steal second base, so whatever. If he can't run the bases, great, so be it. He says CJ is better than that not to compare him directly to Castro, but to to have a guy who is at least competent in every area of the game, I think that's something managers uh, crave, and take this for what it's worth. He said he wouldn't say it if it wasn't true. So we have to take him at his word for now until he <laughs> proves to be some sort of pathological liar. And Is we that all trust, it
1: takes to make you believe me?
0: We can't trust, well, until Derek, you prove to be a pathological liar. Derek, I wouldn't say this if it wasn't true,
1: but there's a six-pack under this Ray, shirt. I Trust, I me, you. trust, trust me. me. Trust me. Trust <laughs> me. Trust me I'm not going to kill two
0: Korean beef sandwiches after this show. Uh, no, I mean, like, so take it for what it's worth, whatever it, his manager who has been with him for a number of years on the Tampa Bay coaching staff says that he is a well-rounded player and it would make sense. Uh, I believe growing up, his dad was a manager. And so he's kind of like baseball coaching family. Sure. Yeah. All right. Well, you know, the importance of not just barreling fastballs and getting your 30 home runs and calling it a day, but doing the little things that help a team win. And so far anyway, to Manny's point, I have seen that from CJ Crone. It's. It's a small sample size, but it's better than not seeing it. If you want to come out here to Dayblock Brewing and lie to Derek Wetmore's face, all you got to do is put the disclaimer on
1: (laughs) it. I wouldn't say this if it wasn't true. That's all you got to do, and he'll believe whatever you say out here at Dayblock Brewing where it's five Twins thoughts on Score North on 1500 and scorenorth.com. The five most impressive things or players when it comes to the Minnesota Twins is this week's five thoughts. If you want to get in on the show, 651 646 8255 or tweet us at score north let us know what you're most impressed by a week into the twin season or just come down here and tell it to our faces it's Dayblock brewing it's five twin thoughts and we're live on score north on 1500 and score
0: guitar hero selfie sticks fidget spinners the
1: ice bucket challenge Nah, this is something new welcome to the all-new score north Minnesota sports anytime, anywhere.
0: ScoreNorth.com.
1: Five Twins thoughts on Score North on fifteen hundred and ScoreNorth.com. Live from Dayblock Brewing, just down the street from US Bank Stadium, where the Final Four is taking place this weekend. If you're in the neighborhood to check out the uh, Final Four festivities, stop on by, say hi to your favorite Score North personalities. And uh, I understand they have beer here at Dayblock Brewing Company.
0: That's a rumor, yeah. Okay,
1: and good food from what I understand here at well, Dayblock Brewing I've Company. I've only sampled one, but I'm one for one so far. It looked good enough that that's what I'm getting for lunch, the <laughs> Korean <laughs> beef sandwich. That's Derek Wetmore, our Twins reporter. I'm Rami Makhlouf. Manny Hill on the other side of me. Uh, this is just part of our abundant Twins lineup of programming that just keeps on getting better including this show right here we have uh, Score North Twins show that's on Monday and Wednesday at 1 o'clock Patrick Royce on baseball Find that at scorenorth.com and every Tuesday at 6 o'clock. Did I get that right? And the Glenn Perkins show, the former Twins reliever, sits down with uh, Phil Mackey every Tuesday. That airs at 1 and 6, and you can find all these shows wherever you search for podcasts. Just search Score North Twins. We're available on iTunes. The app is on Apple and Android right now, and we're on Spotify. There's really... No way for you to get away from us. Everywhere you go to listen to things, you're going to find Score North talking Minnesota sports and trying to entertain you. Our five thoughts today on five Twins thoughts is the most impressive things about the Minnesota Twins just about a week into the season. Quick recap of the first segment. If you weren't here, Derek, you said you were impressed with the pitching. Pitching staff overall. I said I was impressed by the, the wherewithal of this team, the resiliency of this team to have already two comeback wins against the Kansas City Royals to sweep that short series. And Manny said he was impressed. And actually, I did have this on my list. Is that it's, right? Yeah. A, I,
0: was, I thought that was a dark horse. That was a pretty good one. I thought it was my dark horse. And then Manny <laughs> goes and
1: steals it. It was C.J. Crone's defense, which was on full display in Kansas City in the last couple of games. So we're up to three thoughts. Thought number four, Derek, what more the most impressive things about the
0: Minnesota Twins? This one should be thought number one. I was saving it for segment two, so we'd have something to talk about. <laughs> Thought number four, I am continually impressed with your guy, Rami. Now you're stealing another one. Williams (laughs) Astadio, who's hitting 667 after five games. He hadn't played in all of them. Uh, 1,000 slugging percentage, Mm 1.000 slugging percentage, Mm -hmm. and just keeps coming up seemingly in big spots and getting it done. We we saw it in spring training. We know the book at this point. There's a guy who's just, I'll call him elite bat-to-ball, doesn't strike out, doesn't walk, but puts the barrel on it and so far anyways that has continued to play up for the Twins and I'm I'm impressed by it. I saw on our Score North Twitter account just before we were coming up here. It's like scrolling on my phone here at Day Block and looking through and I saw a post from from Score North and it was a like a repost of something that allegedly Williams Astadio wrote. So I get curious and get poking around. I'm on Instagram, and I search Williams Astadio. It's just a photo of him. Fielding a ground ball at third base because he's played three positions already this year, and, and I'm it, sure he's doing it gloriously. It oh, he's not just
1: fielding it normally; he's doing it in William. No, S- look at that D-O. picture. Right? No, I mean he's
0: got the Michael Jordan tongue hanging out of his amazing. mouth. As Everything he's the guy it does is left. fantastic, so entertaining. I'm like, is this real? And I'm clicking through the feed. I still don't know if it's real. I haven't talked to him since I seen this, but it looks real. I mean, there are enough pictures of like. You wouldn't just find that Googling it on the Internet that it, it could be real. And you, you want me to read this? Like It's, it's a pretty long post. Half no, of it's in English, the whole half thing. it's in williams Spanish. thing. It's williams I'm sure it's outstanding. We interrupt this program for a special <laughs> williams deal update. But I thought it was pretty cool. And I haven't read the full thing, so I'll, I'll read it as we go here. But this is on Instagram. It's a picture of him. Um, I believe it's his real account, but who knows. He says, all my minor league career, I heard I was not going to be a big leaguer because I did not, quote, look like one. I was too short. I was too stocky. I did not have the physical traits customarily associated with a major league player. Well, here I am. So let that be a lesson to anyone reading this who has ever been told that their physical appearance limits them or their ability. It does not. And if anyone ever tries to come at you with that, just knock them down out of the way and stay focused on your goals and the path to get there. Hashtag La Tortuga. Dude, this guy is my favorite, not just my favorite baseball he's player.
1: He's my favorite person now. He's just <laughs> my favorite person. So, period. Because I already have an affinity that's right. for big boy athletes. Yes. And now he's taking on the, the role. Of, of role model right. of, uh, f- for, for upcoming big boy athletes. Right. You don't have to not be an athlete because you're a big boy. I mean, it's healthier to not be a big boy. But if you <laughs> are a big sure. boy, <laughs> go ahead and get out there on the baseball right. field, right. man. Get on the basketball court. You can do things that people think you can't do.
0: Well, you are a big fan of fit fat, yeah. so. I, I'm told. Yes.
1: That, <laughs> yeah. that is what a source
0: called I believe I created situation. that term. I, Some might debate that, but I believe I created that you, term. You told me you did, and you told me you weren't lying, so I believe you. And I think exactly – I wouldn't say that if I wasn't lying, Derek. That's exactly right. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, look, okay, we could do five thoughts here, and all five of them could be on Astadio. Right. The fact that we got to four without talking about him, obviously, obviously small sample size, but he is not just the 667 batting average and the power. It's bat to ball. It's not like he's swing and miss on some nasty, nasty stuff on the other side. He's actually hitting it and driving it out. I mentioned before that that Barrios and uh, uh, why do I keep forgetting Odorizzi? Odorizzi
1: <laughs> were in the did something that only Randy Johnson and and Curt Schilling did. But it's a small sample size of something they did that those sure. guys did. So take it with a grain of salt. But and this is another stat like that. I don't and I'm I don't remember it exactly, but I think I read a couple of days ago that the only player to have a higher batting average with as many at-bats as Astadio has to this point in their career was Ty Cobb like in the history of baseball the only guy who's had a a higher batting average than Williams Astadio through this many at-bats is Ty freaking Cobb like again kind of a small sample size so and take it with a grain of salt but I think that's I think that really says something I don't think I, I don't think it's I'm getting carried away to say that 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 says something about that guy.
2: It's time to overreact about baseball. Yeah. Williams, as the deal will be as great as Ty Cobb.
0: Well, I mean, tough to dispute at this point in his career. Look, you, I, can, I, you can fake your way to some stats, but right. 100 plate appearances, 100 plate appearances. There's something to that. I, I'm not going to say
1: he's, he's going to be better than Ty Cobb. No, man, he just but, did. You're, you're right, good. I don't have to. He made We're overreacting about baseball <laughs> right Save now. that for Write That Down today, 5 o'clock on Mac and good with Rami. <laughs> Uh, I don't know how we measure it. That'll be one of those that we have to like, decipher. How do we measure that like he's better about than 15, 20 years uh, Right, exactly. Out, Does yeah. he
0: wear a Twins cap on his bust into Cooperstown? do For we think? sure. It has Absolutely. to be. Right? Absolutely,
1: <laughs> yeah. But what a, a prediction I would make, and I might do this on, on, on Write That Down today, is that I really believe that he's going to force the issue and press the Twins to find a way to make him an everyday player. Not at a certain position. But to have that bat in the lineup, whether it's at catcher, at first, at third, somewhere in the outfield, DH, I mean, I just named off five places right there where he is very capable of starting a baseball game and being yeah. part of your lineup, and I, I, I can't see how, if he, if he keeps putting the bat to the ball the way that he is, and obviously I don't expect a six sixty seven batting average for the remainder of the season, but if he keeps making contact and, and being as reliable and professional a hitter in that lineup as he has been to this point, I, I don't see how you you can keep him out of the lineup on any sort of consistent basis.
0: Right. And the the flexibility is what's fascinating because twin signed Marwin Gonzalez for right. that exact reason. Yep. Mm-hmm. So now you got a couple of guys who can move around. I think Mitch Garver can move around too. And I think they're going to ask him to before too much longer. Three hits the other day. I really like his bat. Um, I said this the other day on the score North twin show that like, he seems to me, it's tough to know for sure, and I'm a stats guy, so I kind of look at some of that stuff. But when I, when I watch Mitch Garver take BP and I watch him hit and I just see him as a hitter, I'm like, he looks better than his career numbers, if you get what I'm saying. Right. I kind of feel, not that, not that Williams astadio is better than his career numbers, but I feel like having somebody who can hit, whether it's Astadio, whether it's Garver, Marwin Gonzalez is a great mm-hmm. example of that, having somebody who can hit and who happens to be able to move around and play third base, first base, corner outfield, uh, in those, the case of those two guys, catcher. That's a huge luxury to have. Um, I don't know. I'm not sure if he's going to force the issue because a lot of times these things just solve themselves organically, as you well know, Rami. But, like, the fact that he can play in multiple different spots gives him the best chance. The fact that Miguel Sano is not playing right now opens up another th- spot, theoretically. And... This hot start is great. I, I for one, think that the performance is just all kinds of fun. I think it's another layer of fun now that he's sort of embraced this role model, fan favorite. The Twins are for sure marketing him. They know he is possibly their most popular player right now maybe maybe that's a stretch but he's up there he's on the short list and for a bench guy you don't usually see that maybe he becomes more than that and and this time will tell this season it's funny you said that things tend to work themselves out when when i
1: was down in milwaukee and and covering the brewers one of the things that craig it became sort of a running joke that craig council would always say and our our baseball insider adam mccalvey from brewers.com picked it up and made it a running joke of his own was that whenever they had, say, too many outfielders or too many pitchers for the rotation, and people would, of course, question Craig Council, what he's going to do with it. And every time it was his stock answer, he would say, these things tend to work themselves out. (laughs) Let's see how this plays out. And almost to a a T, every time that he had a situation like that, either somebody would get hurt or somebody at a different position would get hurt, and they can move a guy to that position, or somebody would get cold, and the decision became a lot easier of who would get the playing time sure. and who wouldn't. And it, Because over the course of a 162-game season, and this is really where that versatility and that depth, I think, shines, and, and we haven't even seen the, the, the full impact of the versatility and depth that the Twins have this year, is when you do have injuries, yeah. and you have guys who you can put at third or at first or in the outfield or at second base because you're going to have injuries. Guys are going to have 10- and 15-day stints where they're out, and to have a guy who brings the bat that Williams Astadio does or that has the bat that Marwin Gonzalez does that you can plug in if a guy gets hurt in a corner outfield spot. You can plug in if a guy gets hurt at a corner infield spot or at catcher. It's a huge luxury to have because it's almost like one guy, he's only taking up one roster spot, but he yeah. serves the purpose of a guy who, who – or of, of three or four roster spots yeah
0: and you're talking about like weathering that storm that's that's hugely important Mm -hmm. it's backup quarterback in the nfl it's you know you're not going to go win the super bowl with this guy necessarily talking about the quarterback example but hey can you keep this thing afloat can you win two three games while the starter gets back if you were to fall off from miguel Sano to some minor leaguer nondescript glove first guy that can't hit you'd notice that yeah. Over a three, five, six-week stretch in a baseball season, you'd absolutely notice that. It would cost you runs. It would cost you wins. Good teams get hurt by that stuff all the time. Great teams have the ability to overcome that, either through individual greatness from some of the other guys they have or the person coming in to sort of plug that dam, as it were, for a little <laughs> bit just to make sure the levee doesn't blow. They are good enough to carry that. I think absolutely Marwin Gonzalez is good enough to carry that Williams Estadillo shows he's kind of in that category right now, too.
2: Yeah, and, and that actually kind of plays into one of the other thoughts that I had about the most impressive things about this team is that they have put together a roster that gives them a lot of different options and that if somebody goes down to you guys' point, they can, they can withstand that for a little bit. There's, no, there's nobody in this lineup right now where I look at and say, boy, if they lose him for two weeks... They're in big, big trouble. Now, Nelson Cruz, you sure. don't want to lose him for right. a significant period of time. But if he has to go on the injured list for, for a week or so, yeah. you've got other guys that you can plug in there and that can at least hold down the fort and that DH spot in the lineup for, you know, seven, eight games maybe until you get Nelson Cruz back. And that's, that's been really impressive how they've been able to put together this roster that allows them to have a lot of depth and a lot of options to move guys around in the lineup and – and in the field
0: it's not for nothing and i'm not i'm not going to spoil our fifth thought on this one actually mm-hmm. i i've got one that I oh think, good i think we have to get to but good.
2: before we do
0: get to the fifth thought i want to touch on the depth and we talked about cj Crome being like a complete baseball player he's not a burner he's not going to beat byron buxton in a foot race but can he run the bases competently can he field his position well and so far he's shown that he can as a team I've been impressed with their ability to run the bases just by comparison to last year. (laughs) Last year, Manny, you'll remember this. I see you laughing over there. I think it was A. Ray Adrianza, and I think I have the stats right. I'd have to go back and check, but I think he got picked off 657 times running the bases (laughs) last year. That's what it felt like at least. Six weeks into the season, it was like, oh, my gosh, how can a team managed by Paul Molitor, who is a baseball savant genius for details, picks up little things, reading pitchers and in base-stealing situations and picking the right pitch. How can somebody who's so brilliant at all of that Mm -hmm. oversee a unit who collectively is abysmal at running the bases? Just, I mean, it was terrible. It was embarrassing, um, and it went on for more than just a season. This year, short, short sample. But to have Eddie Rosario make that gutsy call at third base, turn the corner, score an important run for the Twins, and have Byron Buxton come in, steal a critical base, score from second. I mean, these things add up over the course of a season, and so when you talk about the collective hole, yes, it's early, and I gotta keep saying that, because it's early, it's early, it's early. But man, it is is a different feel, to Manny's point, on the depth and on the CJ Crone thing of being a complete player. The fact that they're able to run the bases well as a team... Is it, it stood out to me so far through five games. I think that's an encouraging sign. I think be, be, partly because of the
1: analytics era that we're in now and the focus on launch angle and, and home runs and extra base hits and everything. I think that some people forget that how important base running is. Yeah. But the analytics, if you if you dig a little deeper, will tell you how important base running is. Have you read uh, Keith Law's book, Smart Baseball? No, I haven't yet. It's so good. I'll let yeah. you borrow it. Thank you. Um, so good. But he actually he lists the odds of whether or not a team will score based on where a guy is oh, on the sure. field and how many outs there are. and everything. Run expectancy. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. This, is, this is something that's been well studied and calculated. So just getting that extra 90 feet on a stolen base or going from first to third on a ball that's squibbed out into right field or taking that chance from first to home yeah. like Randy Rosario did, that's not something that shows up in analytics. That's more just baseball instincts and – and gut feel that Rosario had to to make that play. But taking 90 feet at a time vastly changes uh, the odds that a team will succeed and and the fact that they will succeed if if, if you're smart about the way that you take 90 feet at a time.
0: That's why I'm fascinated to see what the Royals do this year. They've basically assembled a team of speedsters. They know they're going to be bad, but they're like, as we're not caught up in terms of talent just quite yet, we're going to run on you, man. Billy Hamilton's going to run on you. Mondesi's going to run on you. You're just going to have a hard time. Whit Merrifield's going to take some bags. Mm -hmm. It's going to be tough. You're not playing the Royals anymore, so you don't have to worry about this right now. But tough for opponents to hold down that running game, and it's a risk-reward because you're going to erase some potential scoring threats throughout the course of a season. But their gamble is we're going to get that extra bag, that extra 90 feet, enough times for it to be worth that risk. So far, anyways, I have not seen the Twins... Do this sort of boneheaded base running that they kind of became known for. Frankly, uh, I, I think it was last year, Manny. Right? I, I'm maybe maybe I'm remembering that wrong. I was it pretty was sure it was 2018 that it was just like embarrassingly were, bad base running.
2: There were some moments last year that just made you cringe.
0: Well, like Adri- Adrianza, not to keep picking on him, but he deserves it for getting thrown out 657 times on the bases in one season. <laughs> Amazing new major league record. But like he'd be. He'd be pinch running, and he's not that fast of a guy. I mean, he's probably average speed, I would guess. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He'd go in and, like, pinch run at second base, and your job is to not get thrown out. Your job is to score on a single to the outfield. Everything else, the other guy could have done, whoever you were pinch running for. And he got picked off at second base. And it's like, well, come on. This is the one
1: thing you can't
0: do. You talk about analytics there in that, and it's like, what's the difference between man on second with one out and nobody on base in two outs, it's a huge difference. Right, it's a world of difference. Especially over the course of a season, you multiply that out, 162 games, it, you just can't make that trade, and they were constantly making bad trades like that. This year, anyway, whatever, for whatever it's worth in five games, they haven't made that trade, and they've actually been plus, from my eyes, on the bases. You know what I love? Uh, it
1: took us one segment to fly through our first three thoughts. Yes. <laughs> then we spent almost an entire segment with our
0: fourth thought. Oh, well, I'm amazed. Which Williams, Williams Astadio. Yeah, I'm amazed we didn't spend more time talking about this guy. I mean, that is an your amazing hero. picture on his Instagram If post. you're listening on Score North or if you're listening to the podcast later, go to Instagram.com. Well, first, follow Score North. But second, yes. go follow Williams Astadio. It's just his name spelled out. His latest is uh, actually poster material. like That it's should amazing. be. A that's motivational a, poster something. It's somewhere. a great picture. in a great pose by La Tortuga. Uh, what a what a what a meaningful thing to put out there too. It's not just him saying this right. and like, you know, capturing on the celebrity. He's not just sort of, he's not being manipulative with this. Like that's a meaningful post. As a fat and, kid, well, yeah. If I read that. That have been inspiring. That would have been to me. inspired to be Fit Fat Prince Fielders.
1: Absolutely. That's for sure. So we'll get to our, our fifth thought. We may have time for a bonus thought. It's oh. Five Twins Thoughts on Score North on 1500scorenorth.com. And we're live from Dayblock Brewing just down the street from U.S. Bank Stadium, corner of Washington and 11th Avenue, just steps from U.S. Bank Stadium. Stop on by, grab some craft beer, some delicious pizza, that Korean beef sandwich that Derek <laughs> enjoyed, that I will be enjoying as soon as these mics turn off, <laughs> and then head to any of the final four festivities this weekend you can listen to score north on the mobile app type in live.scorenorth.com into any web browser or at scorenorth.com. north.com if you have amazon alexa just say alexa open score north i just did it for you alexa just opened score north for you if she's around <laughs> yeah. five twin thoughts will be back right after this on score north on 1500 and score This is the all-new Score North, Minnesota sports, anytime, anywhere,
0: scorenorth.com.
1: It's five twin thoughts on Score North on 1500 and scorenorth.com, and live from Dayblock Brewing Company on the corner of Washington and 11th Avenue South, just down the street from U.S. Bank Stadium. Come on down here. Grab yourself a craft beer and a delicious bite to eat and then uh, go enjoy the final four festivities or hang out because uh, Score North Live with Matthew Collar will be here at 2 o'clock. And then Mackie and Judd with Rami will be here at 4 o'clock. So if you're at the office and plan on coming down here later, we're out here all day long until 6 o'clock. Come and enjoy these final four festivities and take in some sports talk with us here At Score North, our five Twins thoughts today are uh, the five most impressive things about the Minnesota Twins so far. We've gotten through the pitching, the resiliency slash wherewithal, C.J. Crone and his offense or defense at first base, and, of course, La Tortuga, Williams Astadio, and his uh, Instagram post, which made him officially my hero as a former fat kid, and his message that if you're a big boy you can still be an athlete. Don't let people tell you otherwise. (laughs) Love this guy and everything he's about, everything he does on the baseball field, and now that brings us to our fifth and final thought, Derek Wetmore.
0: Fifth and final thought most impressive to me through five games. Hard to look past Byron Buxton. We had to talk about him in this hour. He yes, hurt his back running into the wall on a you know whatever questionable route, and I question why he wants to run full speed into walls all the time as a sort of pastime of his it seems like but returning a day later for an afternoon game pinch running swiping second base scoring an important run I was impressed beyond words for that and the fact that yeah he stung a couple balls early and played his trademark very good defense in center field I I know it's early And I am always that guy who's like, well, we're two months into the season. Well, don't read too much into this yet. Just be careful. But in this case, stinging a couple baseballs, running around, making things happen in every phase of the game, Byron Buxton has showed in the first week of the season that he is or is becoming what the Twins thought that he could be, and that's all kinds of impressive. And
1: I think it, it goes beyond what we've seen on the field, Derek, in, in, yes. in that this guy, I mean, oh, the, the 21 pounds of muscle, the different attitude, the, the chip on his shoulder that... He, you can see in that he's talked about and the fact that he said, I've sort of blocked out a lot of the outside noise and people who were telling me all these different things I needed to do to be a, a, a good professional baseball player and sort of went back to to what got me here and, and what I know I do and I do well and, and how to do those things. And I think that th- that's actually the biggest difference for Byron Buxton. Again, I look more at the process then I do the results sure. and and part of the process is getting yourself in the right mindset and and I mean he's shown a different level of commitment through the the off-season workout program and packing on the muscle. This is a different guy and that's why we're seeing a different baseball player. Yeah.
2: And it's it's going to be so vital. I mean if this if this if this is the Byron Buxton we're going to see for the duration of this season and for years beyond that. It's going, to be, it's going to be such a huge thing for this franchise going forward because I've talked about it several times. If it goes the other way, if it goes yeah. the other direction, yeah. then you're Derek Falvey and you're Thad Levine and you're kind of going back to the drawing board in terms of, you know, evaluating and looking at the young pieces, the young core that you have, and you may have to make some adjustments going forward if this doesn't work out with Byron Buxton and, you know, and even Miguel Sano. So... I think this is a great sign for, for Byron Buxton and for the Twins going forward that if this continues that, it's just one, one less question mark or concern that they would have going forward sure. They'd be in good shape. Yeah, and
0: you know what? Let's see how well he returns from this back, right. whatever we're going to call it, bruise or, or, or whatever. If he's back to a full go as early as tonight in Philadelphia and then you never hear about this injury again for the rest of the season, Okay, kudos to him and to the team and just being able to move past this so quickly. One of the knocks on him historically has been, that word, injury-prone. Yep. And if he can avoid that this year, that's going to be really big for him. I'm, I'm curious to see. Let's, okay, let's just assume full health starting tonight. And he's going to be in there again. He's going to be batting ninth. He's going to be stealing doubles, turning them into outs in center field. It's what he does how much is he going to play? Is this an every day? Is this a Rocco going to try to find matchups to give him a breather? Because we talked about the versatility in the second segment about how the Twins do have some depth now. I mean, honestly, you could slide Max Kepler over to center field, put Jake Cave in right, and you wouldn't feel like you're losing a whole ton. Yeah, you lose a step defensively for sure, but Jake Cave had a nice year last year. I mean, mm-hmm. people kind of overlook it because a lot of people tuned out on the Twins towards the end of the season, who could blame them? Jake Cave put together a really nice 2018 season with the Twins. I was impressed by it, anyways. I am curious to see how many plate appearances, how many games, health notwithstanding, are they basically going to ride with Buxton and say, "Here you go, here is 650 plate appearances as our everyday center fielder. You're our guy. Go show them why." And to me, the more the merrier when you talk about plate appearances
1: and starts for Byron Buxton, unless you see signs that you're running the guy into the ground, because for him, it's still. And I know people hate to hear this because they've been waiting for Byron Buxton to blossom for a long, long time. It's still about development for him, and that happens through plate appearances. That happens through playing time. As long as he's not showing any signs of slowing down or or physically breaking down in in any way and he can resist running into walls... I wouldn't I wouldn't hold back at all. I'd be good with him playing over 150. I don't I'd be good with him playing 162 and I know that's something that's rarely done in major league baseball nowadays, but this is a young man and a guy who's in in peak physical condition. If there is anybody or if there are any any bodies in in major league baseball who are capable of doing it, Byron Buxton is certainly one of them. He's young enough, he's fit enough, he's athletic enough that he shouldn't be missing playing time unless it's it's he's so worn down and tired that he just needs a day off or he has an injury he's already not going to start 162 games that right. just occurred to me because he yeah. didn't oh, start the other day well
0: don't forget october
1: that's right oh that's true so he, he can start 170 100. plus could, that's right that's and what uh, that's what we're <laughs> looking for
2: he is out of the lineup tonight he is okay, okay so we're down yeah, to 160 thanks, Thank you for the update regular yeah, thanks, season thanks to games. murph actually back at the station for uh, we have out. the uh the full
0: lineup since uh, since Let's read it out. I'm surprised to hear that. The fact that he came in and pinch ran, I was assuming that meant, you know, kind of good to go. But let's see if we can track down a lineup from Philadelphia. I am going to say that the one thing, Rami, I'll push back on you a little bit is, yeah, I'd like to see him for 162 as well. But there are going to be some days this season and manager Rocco Baldelli is just going to have to read the situation here. James Rousen can help him out. Whatever. Derek Shelton can help him out. But... There are going to be some days where you're going to need a mental breather for Buxton, I right. think, because so much of it to me is not about how's your body holding up, can you play center field today? Of course he can play center field today. Him at 60% is a, is like an all-star caliber center fielder. But if he is, I don't know, if he's in his own head, if he's in a little bit of a rut and he just like feels like he's in 0-2 all the time and guessing at pitches, he's not identifying sliders off the plate, he's not drawing walks, doing all the stuff that you'd like to see him do as he continues to develop as a hitter, then I might give him a day off and just say, "Hey, go ahead and chill for today." Yeah, I said physically, but if you see any signs of ah. him wearing down, if it is mentally yeah, and yeah. you see his approach deteriorating, because that's yeah. part of development. Absolutely. I mean, no, Nelson no doubt. Nelson Cruz over the course of a season, as a 38 year old, of course he's going to have some days where his body doesn't feel great. I'm guessing, uh, but mentally. I'm sure he could handle it. I'm sure. I, I've only known this guy for like a month, and when I say known, I mean talk to him in a couple of press scrums and as a group. Right. So it's not like I know, know him, but the sense that I get from him and how professional he carries this thing out, I think he's the kind of guy who could handle the mental slog pretty well. As a DH, he could play 162 if you needed him to. Um, and part of that is just... The ability as a veteran hitter to know, how are these guys attacking me? My favorite part of the broadcast, guys, so far in five games has been Justin Morneau analyzing how Cruz is thinking about a pitcher trying to attack him. He comes inside with a fastball, and oh-oh, fouls it off hard down the third baseline. And then after that, I don't remember where the count advanced, but Morneau basically said, He's like, yeah, I'd probably look for breaking stuff away here. I know they're going to try to attack me with something soft off the plate because he's already seen me crush a fastball. He doesn't want to come back in here. And if he does, I feel pretty good about my hands. Just that second-level calculus thinking in terms of approaching a plate appearance, Nelson Cruz has it. You hope that Byron Buxton develops that over time. Manny has that lineup. Minus we got a lineup. Byron Buxton.
2: I do have a lineup. Thanks to Murph back of the studio for uh, sending this to me. The uh, Twins will lead off with Max Kepler playing in center field tonight against the Phillies. Uh, Jorge Polanco will play shortstop and bat second. Eddie Rosario will be in left field and bat third. CJ Crone will bat cleanup and uh, play at first base. Marwin Gonzalez will be at third and bat fifth. Jake Cave will be in right field. He'll bat sixth. Jonathan Scope will play at second, of course, and bat seventh. Jason Castro will be behind the plate and uh batting eighth. And then of course Jake O'Dorizzi will pitch and bat ninth. That's right, so, no, DH. no yeah, I was no like, DH, where's so Nelson no Nelson Cruz. Oh, okay. yeah.
0: <laughs> that makes a little bit more sense. Although the twins are threatening to play him in the outfield. Uh, You could see that this weekend even. They they talked about that in spring training and even before spring training. That's a batch you don't want to take out of the lineup. I'm getting ahead of myself here, but if you have any
1: inclinations of playing postseason baseball, you don't want that guy out of your lineup if you have to play in a National League park for three games yeah. in the biggest seven-game series of this franchise's history. So you if somehow, right. some way, sure. you're going to want to get him at least somewhat acclimated to playing in the outfield so that you have that bat available
0: to you in all situations. I agree. Uh, devil's advocate, ask the Texas Rangers if you want to play in right field in important <laughs> spots in the World Series. Or, better yet, you could just ask David Freeze what he thinks about that. Look, Nelson Cruz... Uh, Distinguished career, great hitter, and the past 10 years have been amazing. Good ad for the Twins, and his bat is going to help carry them there if they do get there. I think it's a little dicey proposition if you're going to say he's going to hold it down in the outfield at 38 years old and just count on no drop-off there. I I like the Jake Cave move quite a bit because, as I said, he impressed me a lot last season with what he did.
1: It's not as easy as it sounds, and it's something people throw out there all the time, but maybe just stick them at first base and say, don't try to do too much. Just yeah, when people throw the ball at you, don't catch hurt it. yourself. That's all. Just catch the ball when people throw it to you.
0: Yeah, I it's, wonder
1: if he could. It's been five twins thoughts here on Score North on 1500 and scorenorth.com. And just the start of our day from, of broadcasting from Day Block Brewing Company for Derek and Manny Amrami, saying thanks for listening. Find this and all our Twins shows. Search Score North Twins wherever you download podcasts. Look for specially marked packaging and visit
0: mtndugaming.com for details and restrictions. Open to U.S. residents 17 plus. Call of Duty points available on 12 and 24 packs and free 20 at 23.